So I want to begin the message today uh, by going right to God's Word. I've got a passage in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 40, that uh, part of it may be familiar to you, but, but I really do believe that it has to do with Christmas. Now, we're not going to be in Isaiah the entire message, but I want to start with this, and this is in Isaiah chapter 40, because I think this really sets the tone and the stage for where we're going to go with this today. Here's what it says. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's pray. Lord, as we do get into your word here for a few minutes, Father, on this Sunday before Christmas, God, I pray that, uh, that you would just bless the reading of your word first and foremost. God, that your Holy Spirit would move through each and every one of us as we look into what you have for us today. God, I pray for those that, that may be watching or here that are, uh, that are feeling a sense of hopelessness, that are feeling weary. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move through them today. And God, for us, I, uh, for, for everyone else that, that maybe is not feeling quite that sense, Lord, I pray that we can, um, we can really look to your word and, and hear what you have for us when it comes to where we put our hope. So Lord, I pray that uh, you would just go before us today and that you would bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about a thrill of hope, a thrill of hope. Uh, and we're going to continue talking about this for the, um, for the next couple of weeks as well. And the, uh, the idea here, the thrill of hope, talking about the excitement to come. With this being Christmas week, I know kids are excited for Christmas, uh, as, as they should be, as I remember I was, and, and all of those times growing up and everything. But, you know, the thrill of hope that, that we have, that anticipation of what is to come, the anticipation for something better, hope is this idea that relates to the positive future that we are aspiring to be there. And, and this world is looking to be rescued, and the, and the world that we are living in is looking for answers and looking uh, for hope and, and looking to be told that everything's going to be okay. We're all looking to be told that um, and, and to really be able to believe that. Um, and we all really need that right now. And I think there's a lot of us that have maybe forgotten that God is standing there and has been standing there with hope the entire time. And so, where do we find our hope? I wanna start with that question. Where do we find our hope? Where do you find your hope? When you think about where, where you look to find hope, where, where is it that you look? Now, obviously, the easy churchy answer is, is in Jesus, and we should, and that's where we're going with this, obviously. But, but at the end of the day, we really do look to other things but I would suggest that, that the word of God is, is really clear and the things that we have seen God do through not only the pandemic, but even up until this, this Christmas season here, that the true purpose of Christmas, the, the simplest way to describe what Jesus was doing and sending his son, the way in which he did was to bring hope, was to bring hope to us. But, but it does seem like we look to the wrong places for hope a lot, doesn't it? We do really tend to, if we're gonna be honest with ourselves. We look to the wrong places for hope. Take a look at this picture. This is a stealth bomber. Uh, you may recognize it, you may have seen it before. Um, stealth bomber, 
they cost about, if, if you look it up, I've seen numbers everywhere from about $500 million a piece is what it costs to make it up to about $900 million. I don't know, at some point you're looking at it and you're like, it could just say 800 gajillion dollars. And it, it, like, it's just an astronomical amount of money that, that is crazy. And the amount of money that was spent in development of this was, uh, was nuts uh, when it comes to what it actually ended up being. And so it was in the, uh, in the early 80s and, and late 70s and, and all of that that they started on it. And so the, the original test flight, I don't know if you know this, on the original test flight, it circled for hours, and the tests showed that it was able to beat the most sophisticated radar. The most sophisticated radar was definitely able to beat without a doubt. But, interesting footnote that they found out is that everywhere it flew, dogs barked like crazy because they could hear it, because it put out a high-pitched signal that even the average German shepherd could hear, and they went nuts. And so $500 million on tech can be beat by your dog. Um, it's a crazy place to put your hope. Um, later models, actually, of the stealth in, in the 90s um, actually couldn't go out in the rain. They couldn't go out in the rain. They couldn't go out in the heat or the humidity, funny enough. So if you're going to go to battle with us, we got to make sure that the conditions are perfect um, in order to take out our, our plane and all of that. So, you know, it's funny because they would deteriorate in the rain. And don't get me wrong, I'm so grateful for our military and, and for, uh, you know, for our government and all of that. And I, and I completely support our military and, and everything there. So please don't take this as a shot at our military. I, f I just find it an interesting parallel because our hope is not in, uh, in our military though, as much as I support our, our country and our, and our military and all of that. That's not where our hope is. Our hope is not in government, our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is not in a stealth bomber. <laughs> it's in Jesus Christ. We don't need better tech. We need Jesus to come back. That's what we really need. And that is honestly exactly that frame of mind is in many ways where we find the, the magi, the wise men, in Matthew chapter two. So if you do have your Bibles or you're following along in the Bible app or with us in church online, uh, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter two right at the very beginning of the chapter. Um, and we're gonna look at the story of the Magi or known as the wise men um, here as they, have, uh, they take their journey to find the king of kings and the king of the Jews. And so here we are, Matthew chapter one, and here's what it says. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So you've got these, these Magi. Now, Magi are astrologers. Um, they are really uh, astrologers and they, and they come from the east uh, and, and they study the stars and they interpret dreams. And that's an interesting thing about them. And when it says they come from the east, they're likely coming, there, there's a little bit of um, educated speculation I'm gonna do here for a minute, just, just as, a, as a disclaimer. But with them coming from the east, do you think it's possible that they maybe came from the area of Babylon, from the Babylon area? And if that's the case, and they're looking at, and, and they're astrologers, and they're looking to the stars, and they interpret dreams, 
they see the star and it says that they're looking for the king of the Jews. And I've, I've always wondered in reading it, um, what made them see, like I see stars every night and there's never like a time where I see a star and I'm like, oh, that must be something. And, but they did. Now granted, I'm sure it was an, an amazing star, um, but why in the world would they see a star and think, oh, it must be the king of the Jews, we need to go follow that. It really doesn't give much, much background there. I, I would propose to you that they were coming from, from the area of Babylon, and here's why. In the area of Babylon, 500 years before, there was someone there from the Bible named Daniel. Yes, that Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel. That guy. He was known for interpreting dreams and all of that. So do you think it's possible that these guys were studying some of those things of Daniel? I, I think it is, because why would they be looking for it at that time? Well, I'll tell you why. If you look at the 70 weeks of Daniel in, in chapter 9, chapter 9 of Daniel, the 70 weeks of Daniel, if you really want to study it and get a headache, go for it, because you can. Um, and, and it's really interesting. But it says in there, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, I just find this interesting, that the Messiah was to be born 483 years after the decree to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, we don't know exactly when that countdown started because we don't know exactly when that decree came out and all that. It's debatable. But the, the Magi knew the season and the time in which to keep their eyes open for this. And the reason I bring that up is because, number one, that's why they were looking for it, I believe, um, that, that there is some study involved in all that. But let's look around at our world right now for just a second. If you look at Matthew chapter 24, which we're not going to go there right now, Jesus tells us about the signs of the times. And if you look at our world and you compare Matthew 24 to CNN or whatever, um, any kind of news that's out there, fake or real, you will see very similar parallels. So when it comes to the time and the season in which we're in, should we have our head up and our radar up? You better believe we should. That's a different message for a different time. But what I'm saying is that they understood the season in which they were in as we should understand the season in which we, were, we are in right now. And so they're looking for this. And God used the stars to draw these men to the sun, to draw these people to the son of God. So don't ever put God in a box. Don't ever think that he can't use something. Maybe you don't understand it, but he uses something that someone else understands and uses another way of speaking to people that maybe doesn't fit into what is considered your box. Uh, a mission trip will open your eyes to that for sure. But it's, it's really interesting the way in which God uses all kinds of different things to draw people to himself. And I believe even in this Christmas season, he may have used different kinds of things to draw you to him as well. Let's continue with the story here in verse 7. Verse 7, it says, Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, um, I think we all know that Herod didn't want to worship him. Herod wanted to eliminate him. Um, we probably heard uh, aspects of this story, if not this entire story, many times. So I don't want to necessarily rehash that part, but 
Herod the Great here, this is Herod the Great. So we, uh, back when we were talking about Acts a few months ago, we talked about Herod, and that was, that was a different Herod. This is the Herod when we think of Herod. This is that guy. He was a builder. He was, uh, he was a very smart person, uh, but he was also a, a terrible and horrible person. He was the worst. Um, and he, uh, he remodeled the temple and all that, but he was not a Jew. He was uh, Jewish in religion, but he was actually Edomite in race. And here's where I bring that up. Just another interesting side note. Him being Edomite, here's what that means. He is a descendant of Esau. Jesus is a descendant of Jacob. So I find it very interesting that if you go back to the Old Testament and you read that story, you see the twins, Jacob and Esau, fighting and going at it, and, and the Bible says that their lines will continue to fight until the end of days, and here we are, right in this story, the line of Jacob and Esau going after each other once again. It's just so cool the way that the Bible comes together uh, in so many ways, but living under Herod was not fun, and so when Jesus was born and they see these stars, the weary world rejoiced because this was a weary world to live in. Herod when I say he was like the worst, here's what I mean. He um, actually had his wife and three of his sons killed on the same day because he was paranoid. This guy was a nutcase um, and was not, um, was not nice. He was cruel. He was vicious. Um, living under the rule of this man had to be incredibly terrible. The people were weary. You add on top of that Roman rule at the time, it was a tough time to be alive. This was not a great time to be alive, and in many ways, the people were looking for relief, the people were looking for hope. So we can even relate in, in some ways to those people there. And so when it says there that they were overjoyed, you really start to understand why they were overjoyed. Because you know, in the same way when we find Jesus, when we go looking for Jesus, and I hope that you have found Jesus, and then when you go looking for Jesus and you find him, and you really find him, and you really understand what you found with him, that you put your hope in him, and, and that, that feeling of being overjoyed that you just can't put into words. I hope that you have experienced that at some point in your life. Because without hope, we only have death to look forward to. If we don't have hope, we only have death to look forward to. And you may feel like your world is weary right now. A lot of us do. A lot of people feel like their world is weary. Can I just encourage you to put your hope in Jesus and not in circumstances? Your weary world will rejoice. I promise. Let's keep going with the story here. Verse 11 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned their, to their country by another route. So obviously, God tells them in a dream uh, to, not, to not go back. But um, I want you to notice a couple of things here. It says, coming into the house. So they came into a house. Um, this was not the same night that he was born. So I'm sorry to burst your bubble. For those of you with the nativity set set up in your house with the, with the wise men right there, it is not biblically accurate. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's okay. It's fine. But just know that. Um, 
it's not biblically accurate because he was probably, they were probably there about a year, year and a half after Jesus was actually born. Because they came into the house. It doesn't say they came into the stable or came into the manger or came into the cave or whatever. They came into the house. Um, so they were in a house. Um, and they brought three gifts. Here's, a, here's another bubble to possibly burst. They brought three gifts, not necessarily three guys. I know that the tradition, we say the three wise men, there's really nothing that says that there was only three. There were probably way more. There were three gifts, and that usually gets associated with there being three guys and all of that. Um, but we really don't know exactly how many there were there. Um, it's kind of, kind of irrelevant, but the, the three gifts are extremely relevant because the three gifts really relate to the future prophecy of Jesus as the Messiah because he was said to be prophet, priest, and king. And these three gifts are exactly gifts for that. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest. That's a kind of an incense thing. And then myrrh uh, for the martyred prophet that he would become. Myrrh is used in, in burial and things like that. Now, did these guys know that that's exactly what these gifts were? Four, um, possibly, maybe, maybe not. I, f I would find it strange if they didn't because they were very poignant. Um, at the same time, these gifts really did help Mary and Joseph in many, many ways because they instantly had basically their finances were taken care of for a good long while because all of these gifts were expensive gifts for sure. Um, but these gifts reflected his titles and his offices that he would hold. And it's interesting because the Magi, the wise men, their hope was in who he was, not what he did. And here's what I mean by that. This was in who he was, not what he did. Jesus hadn't done anything on this earth yet. He was just a, a baby. He was just a kid, a toddler, a year and a half at the time. They had their hope in who he was, not what he did. We look back and have our hope in not, not only in who he is, but also in, in what he did, because we know what he did. But at this time, they were coming to worship him just solely for who he was. Now, yes, Jesus was there uh, at, at creation, as it says in John chapter one, where it says the word was God and the word was with God and, and all of those things. And Jesus has always been and always will be. However, him living on earth, he had not yet fulfilled what he had come to do in terms of dying on the cross and raising from the grave and all of the other things uh, that are there. So they came to worship him solely for who he was. Let's bring this to us for just a minute. Do you ever come to church or crack your Bible open and worship the Lord simply because I've got this business deal happening this week or uh, I've got a test in school and um, if, if I worship the Lord, you know, or I'm, I'm feeling depressed. And so if I worship God and I, and I take these moments with him that, that that'll give me maybe that spiritual high or that emotional high um, and, and I'll get in God's good graces. I think we do that sometimes. Maybe we don't intentionally do it that way and we're probably not thinking through it the way in which I said it, but I think we do that. See, there are blessings found in worship, absolutely. There are blessings found in us coming together in worship and us taking time to, to worship the Lord and, and all of that, without a doubt. But if our, if our motivation for that is selfish, those blessings aren't gonna be there. And we're worshiping God for all the wrong 
reasons, if we've got selfish motivation there, an understanding of who he is and who he really is should be motivation enough to worship the Lord, if we really have an understanding of who he is. And when we worship with selfish motives, our hope, it it diminishes. Our hope fades away because we started with selfish motives. Because it's not being focused properly. Our worship isn't being focused properly when we do that. See, the magi, the wise men, they were driven to find the king of kings by hope. That is what drove them to go on this journey and to find him. There had to be something more. That, that was really, I, I feel like that's, that's a lot of what their motivation was. There has to be something more. And so we're hoping for something better. And they found their hope in Jesus. Because everything else falls short. Everything else falls short of Jesus. And so that's why my connection point for the morning is this. Find your hope in who he is. Find your hope in who he is. We are all looking for hope. All of us are. I don't care if you don't have a relationship with God at all. I don't care if you've been a Christian your entire life. All of us are still looking for hope. And I think we all, coming into especially this Christmas week, and with all of the stuff that we have all gone through together, separate yet together, that we're all looking for hope. And I feel like we need to be reminded more often than not that we need to find our hope in who Jesus is and not in our circumstances and not in our stuff. When we look to the wrong things for that, it falls apart. We need to be looking to the blessed hope. That's why Jesus came. That's why we celebrate this week. Let me end with this verse in Titus chapter 2. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing, the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are waiting for Jesus to come back, but, but hope is here now. Hope is here now, and it's in who he is. And if you don't have that blessed hope, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, if you don't feel like you have that blessed hope, May I suggest that you put your hope in who he is and put your hope in him? Because when we put our hope in other people, when we put our hope in stuff, when we put our hope in vaccines, when we put our hope in government, when we put our hope in anything other than Jesus, it's going to fall short every single time. Put your hope in who he is and your weary world will rejoice. And if you're not sure that you have that hope, whether you're here with us now or whether you're watching online, if you're not sure that you have that hope, if you're not 100% sure that you're gonna be in heaven with Jesus one day, I know that for 100% sure. If you you can't say that, if you can't honestly say that, 
I would love to talk with you. I would love to show you in God's word how you can know that for sure. And if you're watching online, you can either chat with somebody there and they can help you. You can go to connectchurch.xyz slash next. For those of us here in person, um, we can maybe talk after the service or talk at the orange wall, but it's, it's really as simple as this. Admit that you're a sinner. Repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Believe that he is who he said he was. Because our sin separates us from God and there's nothing that we can do to remove that. We can't be good enough. It's what Jesus did for us. It's the hope that we put in him and who he is and in what he said. Because he took your place and he gave everything for you and for me. And you can have that eternal life by putting your, your trust in him right now, right where you are. And that eternal life starts now and lasts forever. The best Christmas gift you can ever receive is sitting right there. And his name is Jesus. Will you bow with me? Father, I thank you so much for the blessed hope that we have because of your son. Father, I thank you that you came to this world to give us hope. And I thank you that there is nothing that we can do to make you love us more and there's nothing that we can do to make you love us less. For those that I know may be struggling with hope, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to them and really, really let them know that right now. Lord, that you love us so much. God, you lived on this earth. You understand us. You understand where we're coming from. You've, you've been through it. You say that we're your masterpiece. So Lord, if there is someone here, someone watching that doesn't have that blessed hope, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just continue to speak to them and would push them to make that decision to follow you, to put everything behind and to follow you with all that they are. And Lord, for, for all of us, God, I pray that as we go into this week of Christmas, Lord, that we would put our hope in who you are and our trust in you, not in stuff and not in circumstances. Pray that we can all recommit to that this week, that we could be reminded by your Holy Spirit this week as we go into this time of celebrating you for what you've done, God, because you are worthy. You are so worthy because of who you are. We love you in Jesus' name we pray.